one hit wonder or wonderful <laughs> section. <laughs> I'm completely zoomed well, out and I've forgotten what I'm doing. <laughs> thank you, thank you, and hopefully we'll. Hello and welcome to episode 48 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing, the F is for, well, you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, editor of Rockstar CMO, your regular hit of marketing street knowledge that you can find at rockstarcmo.com and at Rockstar CMO on LinkedIn and Twitter. And this weekly podcast serves as my excuse to chat with my friends, marketers, writers and CMOs I've met through my career, leading marketing teams and consulting for B2B companies. This episode was recorded on Friday the 5th of February. Yes, folks, it's February already. And I hope you had a good week and you are well, safe and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. Another extended remix of a show this week as it's Super Bowl weekend. There's a little bit of football chat in with the marketing, which I believe is the tradition for all good marketing shows. Our Rockstar CMO advisor quarterback Jeff Clark throws a long personalisation pass, which we might fumble. The Halftime Show features music and B2B marketing trends with Pete Defeat Morgan, VP Demand at Metia. And we enter the fourth quarter with our cocktail receiver, Robert Rose, in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar as he talks about calling a timeout on some of our marketing activities. I think that's quite enough of that. Let's get started, shall we? On to our first segment. We masters love to be down with the cool kids, dancing to the latest sound, but will that tune stand the test of time? Each week, my chum, Jeff Clark, Rockstar CMO advisor and former Serious Decisions Forrester Research Director, joins me in deciding if that marketing tune, topic, technique or trend that everyone is talking about is a one-hit wonder or wonderful. And this week, we continue to completely ruin that with personalisation. Welcome back, Jeff, to Rockstar CMO FM, to uh, our little um, uh, one-hit wonder or wonderful <laughs> section. <laughs> I'm completely zoomed well, out and I've forgotten what I'm doing. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And hopefully we'll remind you as, as once we're in this 15 minutes or so, i probably all come back to you. <laughs> yeah. How, how are you? And it's, um, it's Super Bowl weekend over there. Is that something yes. that... Yes. It, well, yes, it's something a lot of us are uh, tuned into. I, I, uh, I guess I'm kind of tuned into it because the I'm in the Boston area, and mm-hmm. our former quarterback Tom Brady, yeah. who left and and uh, made everybody pissed off at him in the Boston area, uh, is yeah. now back in the Super Bowl with a different team. And so I yeah. heard a very interesting set of interviews with people who were either like good for him or like <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. I hope he loses. He breaks a leg, or you know, whatever. You know, so um, so yes. So you're ready. You are. Ready. I'm ready. Good. Well, um, there's enough. Um, like, because also, I'm talking to Robert later, and I'm sure that Robert Rose later, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of football chat there. Um, and it's a topic I know nothing about. Unlike, <laughs> unlike real football, <laughs> where yeah, you unlike, use your feet. <laughs> well, I mean, my team had a great result this week because we beat Tottenham. So I'm happy about the, where the sports but, are going at the moment. What, what's but, what's um, your team? That, 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 Chelsea. That, that, that. 
Chelsea, okay. Chelsea, and I've alienated half of my list, all of, well, actually all of my <laughs> listeners. <laughs> so, but uh, yes, but anyway, back to topics I know a little bit more about than American football. Um, last week we were talking about personalisation and we realised that we'd bitten off a bit more than we could chew in one week. Uh, and that we yes. also decided that it was it was it was something that was quite seminal in the marketing industry, and it wasn't a one-hit wonder or a wonder wall. Uh, and it gave me the opportunity to share a bit of Bob Marley, which I will have to think of how we close this one out and and some other seminal track. I mean, I could just choose more Bob Marley. I think it's you could you could do that. <laughs> it's a great way to chill out for the weekend. Yeah, roll um, one up and choose another. Bob do not do that at home, kids. <laughs> but, but, the, um, but one of the points I think that we were, that were coming, coming out was um, we were talking about arming the buyer with the right information. I think that was a, a little thread that we started to pick on last week that we need to, to, to bring to, um, to continue with. And it was less about personalization and really more about um, just being basically um, – personalized for your buyer right in general was uh, do you recall yeah. that's where we were yeah absolutely and and um and it's certainly one of those things that is is much easier said than done i mean it is mm-hmm. it it makes sense it's like okay yeah people are out looking for information they're doing research they're you know they're connecting with you on the website salespeople, blah, blah blah so the idea is to arm them with the right information mm-hmm. but then when you start thinking about about laying out the steps or what information you've got does it make does it make sense in the interaction uh in the context of any particular interaction and then you you know your mind can kind of explode with the <laughs> all of the possibilities and and i i remember um it was i remember having one of these interesting conversations that i was interviewing somebody for a brand position at a company i used to work at and the, and the person who came in who had this very interesting resume but they were they did brand, it covered brand at grocery stores uh, mm-hmm. and, and other retail stores. And, and it was just intriguing enough that I said, well, you know, I'm in a software company, but I don't know. I'd love to just hear, you know, what you have to say. And, 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 um, although she never, I didn't give her the job, uh, but <laughs> she did go through and it was just amazing. It's like looking through every interaction with a customer. From mm-hmm. when they send out the circulars that say, here's what's on sale to when people enter mm-hmm. the store, where they go in the store, when they check out, post. Yeah. It's like they, you know, this isn't for like a gigantic, you know, U.S. wide chain. This is more for a regional chain. It's just like they examined yeah. every interaction and what should happen at that spot. And yeah. um, I just, I mean, to me, it was, it was, it was eye opening in, in trying to solve for this problem. When you think about it, you move into, the way many of us are marketing and selling where it's mm-hmm. it's a combination of digital and human interactions mm-hmm. a lot of work by the buyer is being done anonymously on the web or mm-hmm. anonymously with colleagues so how do you understand the sort of pre this kind of pre-engagement section of the buying cycle and then when you mm-hmm. get into the engagement cycles you know what's what's human what's digital uh, and, and then in post-purchase, it's it just, it's, it's a very complex situation. Um, but it is doable. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. the thing is you, you do want to like my, my grocery store example, it's like, you do want to go through and, yeah. and kind of build out the journey maps, you know, multiple yeah. maps and say, 
you know, what are the different interactions? What, what are they likely to have? And then do as best you can to investigate what's going on at each of those interactions. Because you're, you're competing mm-hmm. with direct competitors. You're competing with indirect competitors to solve problems. You're competing with no action at all. You know, I, yeah. you know it's like if the buyer is gets really frustrated and they like, I yeah. can't figure out what the solution should be, let alone who I should be dealing with. Then yeah. they throw their hands up. And I think, I don't totally. think enough attention is paid to that about that. You know, the, the biggest competitor is, is no, is action. no action or delayed action. Um, yeah. in, in, when we, when we talk, and, and that, that wanders off a of personalization a little bit, but I think it's an important, um, it's an important um, consideration of the persona of their likelihood to do nothing or they, how they could influence doing nothing. Right. Right. Well, and, and if you, so if you go back to the, uh, you know, arming the buyer with the right information, yeah. you yeah. should be able to bring that person, um, even if they ultimately take no action, you should bring them to a spot where somebody's engaged with them. So, you know, somebody yeah. in sales or pre-sales services, Whatever, you know, business development, somebody should have engaged with them. So you have enough yeah. of an idea of like, you know, maybe the person, you know, is responding to a business development rep saying, well, you know, I, 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 now I'm getting a better idea about what you guys yeah. do and kind of how it solves, mm-hmm. but you know, I can't do this for six months. Yeah. yeah. So at least you've captured that. And, yeah. and it's something you can action upon as opposed to yeah. you've just frustrated them out of the gate because they go to the website and they don't know. What, yeah, yeah. what realm of solution solving <laughs> your, yeah. your provi- provision you're in. Yeah. that, And I think actually we're talking about relevance rather than personalization, aren't we? As we strip this back. And I think if we get really relevant to the, the what's going to move people through that customer journey, then, then content is almost like the safety net to prevent the do nothing, right? Because yep. you're reassuring them all the way. Keep, keep going, you know, this is how you can solve your problem and then at some point introduce that this is how you solve the problem with our products. Correct. Correct. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's an, it's an educational activity as much as it is a marketing or a selling activity. Um, and it's just, I think if we think of our personal lives, uh, that's, that's kind of how we (laughs) think about it. That's kind of how we want it to roll. So, you know, why, why should our customers be any different? They're not just, uh, opens and clicks and bounces uh on a on, yeah. a on a report they're real people yeah they're real people and and so we want to be the i mean it's a hackneyed expression i suppose in content marketing but being the best answer to their question is really what we're driving at, aren't we is is figuring out every stage what questions they may have at that stage and being being the answer to that question right Correct. And, and so, so I think, you know, going, you know, if you just kind of think about the steps first, you need to outline the journey, understand yeah. what interactions are, are uh, human and digital, mm-hmm. um, then start to, um, you know, then you, you also want to get a sense of, you know, how well does your company do, uh, at those stages? Um, mm-hmm. you know, and so social intelligence or customer journey analytics can kind of give you a sense of, of whether you're, you are providing the right information or not. I remember one of the things that uh, that stuck with me about the whole NPS scores and the process was that you know if you somebody says they're you've you've you know you've done a bad job or you've done a really good job and you immediately hit them with a survey just a quick thing that says so why you know so you rated mm-hmm. us poorly why um, and in the aggregation of of the scores at, at particular interactions whether it's 
somebody researching something on your website or customer service interaction can help you understand the why. Um, but, and, and I think, you know, we do get into the issue of, well, can I capture all the data to, to kind of make the, these yeah. journey maps and to understand how well we're doing. But with all the systems that we, we have that can help us with this, at some point you got to talk to customers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and I've, I've just heard that so many times and, and, yeah. and you can often use sales as a proxy. Yeah. Um, but sales is going to give you their, their, yeah. their kind of biased view. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it may be very informative, but at some point you want to talk to an individual customer or you want to do focus groups or, you know, whatever yeah. the tool is. So you can, cause, cause answering the question of what, if, if we did, didn't do a good job, maybe even if we did do a good job. So what was it that we provided mm-hmm. that was helpful at that point? Yeah. And, and, and if it wasn't certainly what, what is it that we need to provide? So you can start yeah. to, you know, you can start to, um, okay. look at the various pieces of content that need to be provided. Yeah. Yeah. I've, um, I've done this a few times where you get, um, you get a panel to review your website, for example, and, um, and then ha- have an agency do it and then they record it and then you listen back to somebody else interacting with your baby as it were <laughs> like what the bloody hell and then there's all these little mm, uh, oh, mm. oh oh and it's like you know and i and i've i've had often conversations through rockstar cmo uh with other marketers that really believe that and unless you're talking to customers you know you're you're so disconnected from what's going on yes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and it just it made it help it, it's like anything where, um, you know, you can look at the data uh, and just think about how we as individuals, um, uh, how we really um, understand things and stories are so important. So data helps you uh, focus in on areas where you need to understand the story, but you do need to build the story out from talking, just talking to people or reading mm. feedback, whatever it is that, that can put it in human language. Mm. Um, that, 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 that's just invaluable to, um, mm. to understanding. And that's, you know, where people who've been in a business, particular business, you know, who've developed instincts, um, you know, that they get, they get ahead of the game because they kind of understand, they've had lots of conversations and then data think, is just supporting that. Do you, but do you think sometimes that that instinct and that experience makes sometimes you know if, like the classic sort of example of a marketer talk to a salesperson and to your point using the salesperson as a proxy to what the customers want and that person's been flogging this gear for 20 years or something like that um is that can that sometimes railroad you in a direction or do you, do you uh, or, i suppose it's like any kind of data isn't it you've yes. got to get the balance right is is from from different and you gotta yeah. you gotta remove the biases yeah. yeah, get the balance yeah. and remove the biases. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I think um, and one of the other things I think that we do ba- badly sometimes in marketing because we love the shiny digital thing and we love our channels is is there a basic personalization around what channel people are on? Can we assume that they're coming to our website even? Um, well, there's probably a good chance that most people in the buying process are coming to your website where mm-hmm. where they're going and for what purpose is um you can't assume and and you know given uh, again if we focus on b2b buying 
you know, you've got to understand, well, is my, is my product or service, is it being purchased, you know, by an individual? So mm -hmm. I just need to get the, um, you know, the, the, the web manager and his boss to, to buy off on it because it's only mm -hmm. five grand. Yeah. Is it, is it, you know, 20, 30, 40, up to hundred grand and therefore it's a collaborative buying process. And so, yeah. gosh, I need somebody in marketing and I need somebody in sales to both agree on purchasing mm -hmm. this. Um, mm -hmm. Is it a corporate consensus buy? So therefore it's like, it's going to go up to um, sea level people uh, to make final decisions. And so, you know, the more people that get involved in the process, and then when you think about how that's different across different uh, industries, I think we touched on this a little bit before, you know, in high tech, the buying process is going to be different than in manufacturing. It's going to be different yeah. than in a public sector. So you just get the, those cultural dynamics. And, um, and so, you know, the, the, the bigger and more complex and the more there's going to be a combination. There's well, actually, there's always going to be a combination of human and digital interaction. Yeah. And so understanding what that balance is, mm -hmm. uh, and, and where the, human interaction is really important because arming the buyer with the right information might be, I need to have, you know, sales engineers or consulting, uh, they need to have pieces of information because they're going to be the ones that are asked the question. Right. And, and I think, you know, I, I don't know if we touched on this last week or, you know, I, I brought up of an example of, you know, client we're working with where we're, we're trying to get into, uh, I shouldn't say trying to get to, but we're in the healthcare markets and, mm -hmm. and, and where it's like, what marketing should we be doing, uh, you know, for this particular type of solution? And the, you know, the people who, who, you know, have been in selling and, and, uh, and providing these services basically is that, you know, we need the C-level people. They don't, they're not going to, certainly not going to open emails. They're not going to go to web digital meetings. They're not going to, everybody's at home, so they're not going to actually mm -hmm. be going to conferences. Mm -hmm. So we just need to have the information when, when the guy says, or a gal says, we need to go and make an investment here. And yeah. we're the people, you know, that should be making, that should be providing that solution. Our folks need to be armed with the pieces and say, we do this all the time. Yeah. We've done it for these clients. You know, this is how you do it. Yeah. yeah. So exuding confidence. But again, that's a, that's going to be personal interaction as opposed to digital but that's, interaction. But that's a really good point, though, because I think and, and I touched on this last week with a different Jeff um, in, in arming business development in that I think when we think about our message, brand messaging and our content marketing strategies and all of that stuff, we forget the channel, which is the people that are, you know, doing the outbound calling and the in, in, inbound. Um, and those guys need to have these answers, the best answer to the customer's questions we just talked about at their fingertips, as well as it being on the web page, right? Yeah. Or, and if yeah. you're in a consulting business, your consultants need to be armed yeah. because they might be the ones that say, yeah. Hey, there's the pro, there's another project we should yeah. be on. And it's yeah. not, but again, when, when the, as you, you point out earlier, well, you know, is the website important? Well, almost all those people, they're going to say, ah, you know, ABC company, let me just yeah. go check out their website. And if your website yeah. is a disconnect with whatever they just yeah. <laughs> handed them, yeah. then it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you're not really in this business, yeah. so therefore, yeah. I'm I'm not going to pay attention to you. Yeah. So uh, it's, it. it it does it has to work together. Yeah, well, we've successfully 
wandered completely off the topic of personalization. We all... Well, I wouldn't say we've wandered. I think we, <laughs> we, we're saying we've... we need to be relevant across all channels, including our yes. people. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's personalized service. Mm-hmm. That's true. Do you think um, so? Should we move on to something else next week? Um, it's probably a good idea to, to mix it up. And we may we may end up coming back to this at some point in a different realm because you know we we've touched on the past couple you know data touched on AI. We've I mean we've touched yeah. on a lot of things that are worth coming back to probably in their own right. Yes, well, we'll do that. And so with personalization, I think we've agreed that it's more than Wonderwall. It is a seminal moment that's changed marketing. Um, I'll, I'll probably just play some more Bob Marley. <laughs> we yeah, like that last <laughs> and, um, and I'll see you next week, Jeff. Sounds good. I look forward to it. Thanks, mate. Take care. Cheers. So, as we agreed last week, personalization, not a one-hit wonder or wonderwall, but a defining moment in the music of marketing. And to accompany it, a bit of Bob Marley. I chose Easy Skanking this week, not because there's anything especially easy about personalization, but maybe we should take it slow. Jeff and I will return to the usual one-hit wonder or wonderwall next week. On to this week's guest. Pete Morgan is VP Demand at global B2B marketing agency Metia, which has offices in London, across the US and Singapore, and their clients include Dell, Microsoft and Intel, in an impressive client roster. As you'll hear, we first met Pete in Tales of the Tour Bus piece we published last year. He cut his marketing teeth owning a record label, and every year he authors Metia's B2B marketing trends predictions. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi, Pete. How are you? Good, thank you. And yourself? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Uh, welcome to Rockstar CMO FM. And um, for people that don't know you, Pete, uh, what is it that you do? Um, I'm a vice president at a marketing agency called Metia. Um, so mm-hmm. I run our kind of demand generation practice. Um, and we're a, a global agency. Um, we have clients large and small. All of them are very ambitious for growth. Um, and We've kind of built our demand generation practice around helping um, helping our clients deliver measurable impact from their from their marketing investments. Right, and we've chatted quite a lot over the, over the years. Yeah. And um, last year, you were featured in Rockstar CMO because we took we did a tales from the tour bus with you and uh, learned a little bit about yourself, a little bit about Metro, but also um, the B two B. A marketing trend survey that you do every year and we and we featured the 2020 this year so it's a year i think since we last chatted at least under the guise of rockstar cmo um so i'll get on to this year's um edition in a moment but during that tales from the tour bus uh, the thing that i enjoyed and the thing i always find with uh people that i talk to around rockstar cmo is a lot of people have a connection to music and you used to run a record label tell us about so. that um yeah i, I run a, a label called lost my dog um, yeah. Lost Model Records, so we released lots of house music, and um, I started it in 2005. I think our first release was. So we 
I'd, I'd been into music a lot as a kid and um, I saved up my paper round money to buy some <laughs> some decks and uh, turntables and then spent uh, lots of money on records. And so um, I got to university and, and could DJ, which was a good thing to be able to do Yeah. Um, in the early 2000s and um, started playing little bars and then slightly bigger clubs and um, kind of there was a bit of a, you know, a, I mean, I went to university in Loughborough, so it wasn't exactly New York, the, the <laughs> nightlife, but there were a few of us that were into that and there was a good record shop and uh, a few got together and and we decided to launch a record label. So we we ran it for, for 10 years and, and it was, I, I didn't do marketing at university, I did um, mm-hmm. economics and did it quite badly. Um, and so actually running the record label was where I learned a lot about marketing though. I, I, I probably didn't yeah. realize it at the time that it actually was marketing, you know, it was just releasing music. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, we, we I'm trying to think how many releases we probably had about a hundred releases and, um, you know, some great highlights. We, uh, Sir Norman Jay played our, one of our records live on radio one from Notting Hill carnival, which was a big highlight. Wow. Yeah. I got to DJ around the world, which was, uh, went, went to Shanghai for a weekend to play and yeah. played all over the U S and all things like that. And, um, and, and I'd made, made music as well and um, released an album to celebrate our 10-year anniversary. And then uh, my first child came along and it all kind of, <laughs> kind of stopped as these things, <laughs> these things do. But um, no, I look, I look back on it very fondly and, and it's a, a big part of um, why, why I like to think I'm all right at marketing, you know, the, yeah. and, and particularly things like when social media came along. You know, so, so Metia's clients, a lot of them are kind of large um, – enterprise organizations and actually mm-hmm. having used social media for a, a number of years before these big organizations were looking at it put me in good stead to um yeah. to help them yeah yeah no that's what that really came through in our ta- tales from the tour bus conversation was um that like like a lot of people i talked to you were sort of an accidental marketer you studied something else and then discovered the craft um through through music which is interesting so is that all ended now or do you still run the record label we the, the record labels ended we still um one of the great i mean music's very difficult to make a living from it was never really a prospect to make a living mm-hmm. um but we you know, we put a bit of money in at the start and then everything was organic because we, you know, we didn't have marketing budgets yeah. really. Everything that we put in again had to come out of, of the music we sold. But over 10 years, yeah. we built it up. And, um, and so, yeah, actually, we, you know, we still get the, the royalty checks still come in and, and the sales nice. still come in. And the interesting thing the last few years has just been, you know, when we, what, if I talk about digital transformation, actually, I look back, you know, having, you kind of think of this big thing, you know, what is digital transformation? But actually when I look at our record label, it was, it was quite literally a digital transformation and our first release was just on vinyl. Yeah. Um, and then um, through most of the second half of those 10 years, it was all downloads. Yeah. Um, and now when, you know, when we look at how things are, how things are sold, it's, yeah. um, you know, it's all streaming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's still, I, I, you know, I've got the, this kind of a creative itch that, that I, the challenge with it, as anyone creative will tell you, is it um, it isn't an entirely enjoyable process. Um, <laughs> and it can be, you know, it can be very frustrating. And I, when I decided to do an album, I actually went down. Um, Matthew very kindly let me reduce my hours. I think I was just working two days a week for about six months, maybe even longer. Yeah. And um, so I could write this album. And my my wife was very supportive as well. And I, I think the first three days, I wrote three tracks that ended up on the album. And yeah. uh, I thought this is this is going to be an absolute piece of cake. <laughs> and then I think it was four months or five months until the next next one happened. And it it, it is a 
you know something you feel compelled to do mm-hmm. and so i know I, in time i will i yeah. will kind of get back into it but i'm not i'm not rushing yeah um, i think some people feel that like that about writing don't don't know that you have to it the, the the you when you talk to writers or you hear writing advice people say you should just sit down and write anything yeah and then and then something wonderful will come out of it it sounds like you had all these ideas <laughs> but not quite enough for an album in that first i, I think there's a lot of parallels and actually between yeah. you know and, and marketing in general as well actually that, yeah um you when i look back now or listen back at the music i made some of the music i'm most fond of is the stuff i made right at the beginning but yeah. right at the beginning I, I hated it and i was sick of it and it, it didn't <laughs> you, when you're at the beginning you want to sound like the people you admire and sound like other people yeah. um and you spend a lot of time you know increasing your knowledge of how to produce music and all this so actually yeah. the later tracks all they kind of they all sound better like the the, the audio quality of them um, yeah. But they lack a lot of that spontaneity and the the kind of you know they're very distinct they're very different things um, right. and and I think it's difficult to keep that going and I, and I think you actually you see that in you know basically any popular musician as well where they started when they had no money and they write all these incredible songs and then over time you know yeah, just yeah. naturally kind of it's hard to write such provocative <laughs> music when you you know when you're in the mansion or whatever it wasn't, wasn't quite the case with me <laughs> right right it's that uh, nobody wants to hear the, the the tales of a vp of demand at metier they rather you know that's not very street <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> actually one of the people I, I i i used to play in the states and, and one of the places i kept going back to was philadelphia and there was a, yeah. a guy there who was big into dj and i played with him a few times and it was only about um you know, after playing with him three times or something, that, that I found out he was very, very, very senior at Johnson and Johnson. You know, I mean, like <laughs> on the C-suite almost, and wow. just had this other, yeah, you know, this other life kind of thing that he liked yeah. to do. Just kept the two very separate. I think that's brilliant. And um, unfortunately, you know, I mean, I could just chat to you about the music <laughs> stuff, and and we could just make the whole podcast interview about that, which would be super. But um, I want to include some links in the show notes to your music. If people are looking for for this stuff on Spotify or whatever, where would they look? Um, the it's a good question because I think our website is down now. But uh, <laughs> if you if you go on Spotify and Apple Music or something like that, my my yeah. name when I made music was was Pete Defeat. Yeah. So it was Pete, and then it was uh, all one word D A F E E T. Right, and uh, and you'll find my yeah find everything there. And only a few. Well, and it's the same as your Twitter handle, isn't it? Your it Pete is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that, that all it all goes back to that. People often I've got a blue tick on Twitter, which is absolutely nothing to do with anything I've done in the last ten years. It all wow. goes back to when I used to DJ. Well, so, I um, think you're my first interview guest that has done any of these things, let alone have a blue tick. So and, I, and I feel sorry. Anyone that follows me is would have would have started following me when I was making music, and now, of course, yeah. all the tweets about his marketing and things like that. Yeah. Must be really bored. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to that. I'm sure that um, our listeners will be fascinated by the marketing element of your life, Pete. Um, so. Uh, and and you know talking about writing and talk, getting back to the report that I mentioned. So you publish every year the B two B marketing trends for twenty twenty one. I'm not sure I made a great segue from the exciting world of music to a B two B marketing trends thing, but I do like your report and I love the 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 sharp titles you give to everything. Um, tell us a bit about that report, the research that goes behind it, um, and and what you found this year. Yeah, the the report. I'm trying to think how many. I think we started it in 2017 mm-hmm. and um, I think we started it, you know, there was, there were so many marketing trends reports around, um, but they, firstly, they were both very, very future focused. You know, it was, it was kind of 
AI this, you know, blockchain <laughs> that. Everything was, you know, it's, yeah. it's much like when you read a trends report and it's telling you that, all, you know, self-driving cars are going to be here this year. So yeah. well, no, they're not. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there was there was that issue. And also we just didn't, I, I would never find any that was specific to B2B. And there was always right. this sense that, that, that people might, you know, be looking for some more specific content and and that's what we've seen to be the case and i think we we publish it every year we try and keep it relatively short and concise um i try and focus it on the kind of here and now and and things we're actually seeing and i think one of the Mm -hmm. you know the advantages of working in an agency environment is just working across a whole range of companies and industries and um and just being able to see outside of of one and and you start to see quite quickly where things are building up into trends and where things yeah. are maybe a bit of hot air um yeah. and so we've always yeah we tried to keep the titles pithy and, and a bit provocative and um and and i do think you know even even last year's one i had you know given how crazy last year was i had a look back at it to see you know we made a fool out of ourselves because none of these things <laughs> happen but actually I, 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 I like to think we kind of cut through that you yeah, know, I still look back at last year and think actually they are still kind of relevant yeah, trends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the background. What's the major? I mean, if I, I, the, the, the tr- I mean, we could spend well, we could have spent twenty minutes talking about your music career, and then twenty <laughs> minutes talking about this report. So maybe I'll have to have you back on to talk about these things in more detail. But what's the standout? I mean, out of the six trends, and it's um, marketing is this drive sales, lead nurturing should never be a numbers game. You can't fake purpose, so don't bother trying. B two B events have changed forever. Don't be lazy with targets, as compliancy will stifle your growth. And the sixth one is the market marketer's mindset is key to CX success. Uh, if you had to pick one, which is the most 2021 of those six, do you think? I, I, I think, um, and they're all quite connected in a way. I, I would probably go with the marketing exists to drive sales. And I think that mm-hmm. actually when you look through a number of these trends, I, I think there has definitely been a, um, a, a kind of fashion for forgetting the fundamentals a bit of marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly, you know, the... Um, there's been a big drive around growth marketing and, you know, we work a lot in the technology industry and we see more and more marketing departments, you know, calling themselves growth marketing and, mm. but also reminding ourselves that actually marketing is um, much more than just promotion. Um, yeah. And I, and I think we're starting to see a bit of, you know, from that model, you see a lot of short termism, you see a lot of people who are purely focused on, um, yeah, dr- trying to drive short term spikes um, to, to, to what they are doing, what they have to sell right now. Yeah. Um, and again, so that that's fine in the short term. But actually, when I say marketing exists to drive sales, it, it, you can't be short term missed about that. Mm-hmm. You have to be thinking in the long term. Mm-hmm. And so the the quote I'm, I quoted Bill Birnbach, the kind of father of of modern advertising, and, and he had a quote which was um, the purpose of advertising is to sell. And if that goal does not permeate every every idea you you get, every word you write, every picture you take, you're you're a phony and ought to get out of the business. Wow, that's that's the thing for me is you know, I love that. Yeah, we need as marketers to be thinking long term and short term. Yeah, um, because that's how you you drive sales in the long run. Um, But but I so you know there's a bit of a reflex that people go too short term, and then the other reflex is people go. You know, they think brand building is some kind of magical, you know, unicorn mm. thing, um, or they go down the brand purpose route when actually their brand's got nothing to, you know, credibly talk yeah. about in that space. And yeah. and as a result of that, then they, you know, they do this kind of ethereal brand building stuff. When again, the point of any marketing investment is yeah. is ultimately to make sure people are buying the product. Yeah, I love that. And um, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about this whole growth thing uh, that people have stuck it on the front of marketing. And for me, and for my guest, Jeff Clark, who we were chatting to at the time, it's like, that is marketing. 
you know, you don't, it's like, it's like we're going to have to stop, drop digital off the front of marketing as well. It is mar- growth. It, that's what marketing is for. And so yeah. I really enjoyed that point that you made in, in, in the report. Yeah. Um, but, but you're seeing that as an actual trend. That's, that's what B2B businesses are doing. They're calling their marketing departments, growth departments. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, you know, it, it, it devalues the role of marketing. And, and the, I, I saw some online conversation recently where, you know, there was someone provocatively posted a, a blog around the four P's being dead. Yeah. And, 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 um, you know, is that the one that Mark Ritson jumped? It was, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> you know, ignoring all the kind of personal side to those arguments. Yeah. Um, I, th- I thought it was a reflection. The person who had said this, when you when you actually looked at their their career, they've they've been in Silicon Valley at a technology company, in a mm. it, you know effectively in a in a role that is all around promotion and all around mm. around that end of mm. it. Um, and and I think the thing we forget is that actually you still, you know, if you are launching a new product or service, you still need to define what that product is. You still need to yeah. set the price for it. You still need to work yeah. out how you sell it. And and actually, as marketers, you know, if you're just trying to sell what already exists within your business, you're missing the trick. If you're not trying to listen yeah. to your customers and work out how you can repackage these things or, or, yeah. or change the offering to, um, to resonate better. Yeah. Well, I am, um, I posted on Twitter, um, what's the difference between a marketer and a growth marketer. And there was a little bit of discussion around it. And somebody pointed out that they're taller. <laughs> <laughs> So just, and and that's what I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when I was talking to Jeff. Um, And the other, so moving on to Brad Purpose that you mentioned briefly there, that was what you threw, I believe that's what you threw in our Rockstar CMO swimming pool when we last chatted for for Tales from the Tour Bus. And it features again in this report. Um, I'd say again in this report. I'm not sure if it's featured in the report before, but you mentioned it here and and you just mentioned it just a moment ago about faking Brand Purpose. Are you suggesting that Brand Purpose isn't for everybody? Absolutely. I think yeah. it's, you know, the, the, and, and again, this slightly comes back to that for the trend I mentioned around, you know, marketing exists to drive sales. A profitable business is not a, is not a bad thing. You know, profitable businesses are good for, for the economy. They're good for society. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so as a marketer, um, actually being in a business where that business is purely about um, being profitable is, mm-hmm. is absolutely fine. You know, marketers mm-hmm. should embrace that. Um, and I think there is a, a real risk that, you know, the, um, the number of businesses that are coming out at the moment and trying to position themselves, you know, we're not doing marketing. We're doing, I mean, it was Mondelez who said yeah. we're doing humaning recently. Um, humaning. You know, yeah. And it's, but, you know, Mon- Mondelez sells snacks. <laughs> uh, so right? There's a thing for the Rockstar CMO swimming pool if I ever did hear yeah. one. <laughs> humaning. Um, and, you know, and, and that's what they, they sell snack food, you know, and, yeah, and yeah. that's great. You know, people get hungry yeah. and sometimes they don't want to eat fruit or something that's healthy and that's absolutely yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But trying to dress it up as something something else. So, that, you know, for us, yeah. we, we work with clients where absolutely they, you know, they, as a business, there is a kind of um, a benefit to society of what they do. And there yeah. is a credible basis for, for talking around having a purpose as a brand. But yeah. it absolutely has to come from your business. It yeah. cannot be a marketing strategy yeah. or a marketing tactic. Yeah. No, I think I there's, ju- there's just too much of that. I love that. Well, thank you. Um, thank you very much, um, Pete. Well, um, I'm going to spring something on you because I've just realised that I play out with music sometimes in this thing. If I was to pick, and this is probably like asking you for asking somebody who's got many children for their favourite, and I think you know what the question I'm going to ask. If I, if I was to sample one of your tunes and just drop a little bit into the podcast with your permission, which one should I choose? Um, 
do you know what? That's a very, very good question. Uh, that this is where again, like all those, you have so many children, you start forgetting yeah. the names. Um, <laughs> the I'm trying to think which ones I should go with. The only one that pops into my mind at the moment was called Rush, and it's yeah. just nice and short. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, so Rush, and that's that, and I'll, I'll find that. And um, I'll include a little sample of that <laughs> just just to give people a tease of it as, as we play out. Thank you very much, Pete. Always a pleasure to chat to you. And you. if people are looking for you, you talked about your Twitter handle and stuff. Where can they find they spin the dial on the interwebs? Where will they find you? Um, yeah, so the uh, uh, Twitter it would be Pete Defeat, so P-E-T-D-A-F-E-E-T. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn as well under my real name, Pete Morgan. <laughs> um, and uh, you can find Meta at... Uh, all right and i'll also recall uh, i'll also share a a link to the report in the show notes thank you very much pete and i'll speak to you soon mate cheers take care cheers bye-bye Thank you, Pete. Perhaps, as this is a marketing show, I should have focused more on the trends than the music, but it's hard to resist. I'm playing out with a tune he suggested called Rush. And maybe I can coax Pete back on the show to talk more marketing and focus a bit more on those trends. I will, of course, include links to Pete and his music in the show notes. Time for a change of pace, as one place you won't find banging dance tracks or even a DJ is the virtual rockstar CMO bar, where I kick off my weekend with my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Ah, hello, my friend, and welcome, welcome to the bar. Thank um, you. Well, you know, this weekend, um, as you are well aware, mm-hmm. we have uh, what we in the U.S. <laughs> very, um, you know, bashfully call uh, the Super Bowl World Champion. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, it, it's always made me giggle a little bit that we that we crown the world champion in something that is only played yeah. here. Um, it's like your but, world series. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we Americans not necessarily known for our modesty. Um, but uh, yeah, it's the Super Bowl Sunday mm-hmm. um, uh, it, this weekend, and 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 um, the two teams will be playing. And even though my team is not. Even mm-hmm. in the consideration, mm-hmm. um, it will be fun nonetheless. And so I decided to do something a little special uh, this week, uh-huh. um, which uh, you know. So there is your classic Negroni, mm-hmm. um, uh, and we've done a little bit of a a, a, a take on that mm-hmm. um, with uh, a, an item that I think you will have in your bar, but some <laughs> some other things that you won't. Um, so we've got our Negroni. We've got gin, of course. Um, <laughs> then we're going to add to that some green chartreuse, mm. uh, which gives it a beautiful, wonderful color. Uh-huh. Then a very light Blanca vermouth. Wow. Uh, and of course, 
a little Campari. Right. Um, and uh, that mixed together is just a delightful and very special, uh, I would say, cocktail to enjoy ah. um, as you as you prepare. It's not necessarily beer and nachos, uh, which is more <laughs> classic Super Bowl fare, but uh, it, it, is, it is nonetheless a fun, special um, thing that you can make well, and, and whatever avoid. works it dulls the pain I, I mean my when my team aren't in a competition i'm a bit huffy about it to be honest i'm like that competition has finished i don't want to know about it anymore so i think it's quite, <laughs> I think it's quite generous that you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be watching <laughs> well it's you know you've, if you're if you're gonna you know if you're gonna do it you might as well make it a thing right that's what i that's the way and I, I, I mean i learn all of my american football from your podcast which we'll um had a link to in the show notes um so that's the only way i know anything about um uh, football so which team are you going for you know i think i have to root for tom brady for one last time mm-hmm. so you know for those in your audience who aren't familiar mm-hmm. um tom brady since you know th- there have been comparisons of him you know th- there is no doubt he's the greatest quarterback mm-hmm. that has ever been in professional football mm-hmm. um and in many cases, I was reading an article uh, last week about him, and they were saying he's not only the best, he's the second best. <laughs> he's been around for so long, you can look at the career of Tom Brady from 2002 when he started to like 2011, yeah. where he had been to already a Super Bowl championship. Yeah. Um, and since then, he's been to, you know, four others or, mm-hmm. or six others or something like that. I mean, he's been to somebody was saying, you know, of the last 21 Super Bowls, he's been to uh, uh, 10 of them. Uh, I may be getting these numbers slightly wrong, yeah. um, but it's something like 47%. Um, and so, and then they've said, you know, Steph Curry, who is one of the best three point shooters in basketball and NBA basketball, mm-hmm. shoots uh, about a 37% from the three, uh, from the three point line. Mm-hmm. And so they're basically saying, it's a greater probability that Tom Brady is going to the Super Bowl than it is that Steph Curry's wow. going to hit it. I, I love that. Wow. I think that so, as an old guy myself, yeah. and as someone who is has seen Tom Brady grow up through the league, yeah, um, it's hard for me not to root for him as uh, you know as sort of the the grandfather in beating time here. So right. I'm probably going to be rooting for that. Plus. Now this gets way inside baseball or <laughs> inside football. The I am an NFC fan, not an AFC fan, which right. is the conference that they play in, and yeah. so I have to root for the NFC team typically, which is going to be the Buccaneers. So there's right. a couple of reasons for me to okay. root for Tom Brady, so, so go, which was a much longer answer than you probably answer okay. asked for. But it's a it's now. an education, and I love I love the data, and I know you love the data as well. So, um, yes, so uh, go Buccaneers, right? Is that what we're there saying? There you go. Yes. Go yes. Bucks. I'm actually, I'm just hoping for a really good game is what I'm uh, hoping for. Yeah. You know? all right. And then, of course, you watch the commercials. You watch the yes, the, the, the advertisements yeah. and all of that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to make a drink. Yeah. I'm going to start off with some ice. Um, now, this is weird because have you gone two weeks uh, without any – or is it three weeks without having a um, your normal tipple? How that's happened? Don't you mean with a tequila? Tequila, yeah, isn't this? Yeah, I, you know, I. It may have been actually yeah. three weeks. Wherefore, uh, we have not done tequila. Oh, wow. Um, well, I'm going Bombay Sapphire Gin. What, what kind of gin did you put in your Negroni? 
Uh, you know, I'm a Bombay Sapphire fan myself. Ah, um, I, I know that done. you're normally a Hendrix fan, yeah. and but uh, I, I'm glad to see you stepping up in the world. Uh, and- to be honest, I, I have I have I have three different types of gym in my bar. I just ha- happened to bring the Hendrix to my desk, and it's got that nice popper sound. And uh, so, uh, I, and my wife got me some um, Sip Smiths uh, for. Um, think for our anniversary so i have i have another kind of gin and i also want to seek out you suggested um an irish gin didn't you in one of the shows a few weeks ago many weeks ago probably i'm obviously going to put some tonic in this (laughs) (laughs) all right uh so um so what was this called again uh i i've just been calling it a fancy negroni right Mm. so yeah Mm. I think mine, based on what you said last week, is an ordinary Negroni. <laughs> yeah. There you go. But, uh, there you go. Yeah. It's jolly nice. Wait for some of those bubbles to wait out, and you're kind of good. It's almost like a block of vermouth. Yeah. <laughs> it's jolly nice, and I shall. Um, I I would drink these every week. Thank you very much, Robert. And uh, well, I mean, it's Super Bowl weekend, so where are we going to be drinking these? Well, you know, I think we, you know, the 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 the. I guess the immediate inclination is to say, mm-hmm. oh, we should be at the Super Bowl, yes. which, of course, is in uh, Tampa, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, but I absolutely detest Florida. So, <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> um, so we're not going to Florida. You know where I've, I've, you know, and I know we've been there a few times on uh-huh. our trips. But, you know, I, I, I just, you know, this whole lockdown thing has mm-hmm. got me missing Paris in such, you know, uh-huh. Um, and when I, whenever I think of, 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 you know, a, a, a green chartreuse and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and a Blanc of vermouth together yeah. and all of that and a fancy cocktail, yeah. I, you know, I don't know why it just takes me right to uh, Paris. Ah, I think, you know. yeah, that's, that, those are wise words. Those are wise words. Yeah. I, I miss Paris very, very much. Mm-hmm. And so, and then I know we've been there a few times and In the show. I, I, I tend I to. It go back there but but this this feels very appropriate for it yeah. and we would not be watching the game we would be no. we would be doing something other than watching the game in, in Paris I think we'd be doing what I do normally when um when my team haven't made it to a big final is um is trying to find something else to do <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, and I may have you know and I've got France on my mind because I've been watching uh, on the Netflix I've been watching the Lupin uh-huh. and uh, and I've been watching uh this uh, call, call my agent, I think it's called. All right. Um, yeah, and yeah. And two wonderful shows yeah. that are both French. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's de- delightful. And so it's got me, it's got me missing Paris even more. Yeah, we should check that out. They were talking about that call my agent on uh, one of the chat shows over here, and um, it, it it really looks funny. So I'm gonna try that. It's funny, and 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 I guess the um um, yeah, I guess there's famous actors that mm-hmm. are. French actors and actresses that are that are featured on the show, and I'm sure it's much funnier with yes. them. Yeah, yeah. You know their personalities and whatnot. Yeah. So, but, yeah. you know, yeah. Like when um, when Joey was in that other series about when he was playing an actual actor and stuff. That's right. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm sure he's got another name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His name is actually Matthew LeBlanc. That's so it. I, I knew that. <laughs> well, um, so um, yes, and we um, we're in France, we're in Paris, and um, uh, and inspired by by these shows, um, and also you you've got a former show business 
background yourself. So the whole agent thing must be quite, um, you, must, you must be very familiar with it over there in LA. But um, what are we going to talk about once we've got past talking about your show business history with agents? <laughs> you know, it's funny. This last week, hmm. I've been thinking about um, content uh, and especially, you know, uh, evergreen content. Hmm. Um, to some extent and to know when it's time to give it up. Uh-huh. Um, and what I mean by that is, is that, you know, so I was reading this article and speaking of Netflix, I was reading this article and they are absolutely obsessed um, with canceling shows, right? Where mm-hmm. if it does not meet um, a set of, algorithms that they've set up, you know, which basically, um, you know, equal to new subscribers. Um, they ruthlessly will cut a show, even if it's wildly popular. Right. And you know, they, the, the statistics are they, that it last year, they, they create, they canceled 18, uh, of their original series in the, in the first or second uh, season. Um, 14 of those had one season. Um, and, and so it just, you know, they're just ruthless about it. And to me, it's really interesting because in business, when we create content, we're almost the opposite of that, right? Mm-hmm. We, you know, there's sort of the, what's the harm of keeping it on the website mm-hmm. kind of mentality, mm-hmm. right? We, you know, and, and so we have this sort of idea of leaving all our content up in the digital attic as it were. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you, you go to a salesperson and you say, Hey, listen, we're going to delete, you know, these four pages off the website and they're have a toxic freak out and say, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah. Somebody somewhere, sometime, someplace mm. might do a Google search and, you know, mm. and we end up with costs, um, not unlike a Netflix to maintain and, mm-hmm. and update and, mm-hmm. and change that content accordingly instead of just killing it. Mm. And then the more interesting question to me, which is, you know, certainly there's an archive and, you know, how much you should prune your content on a yearly basis question. But the more sort of Netflix oriented idea is as we as content marketers or, you know, marketers, broadly speaking, create series like a blog or a Mm -hmm. webinar series or a thought leadership series or, you know, podcast or whatever you do, how long do you let it go before you go? It's not working. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and you, you know, and it's so hard because so much of what we launch these days has institutional momentum and getting the business case and the budget and the people assigned to it was so difficult that we're, we're often loath to kill it because it means that what, well, we don't know what it means, right? There's no sort of, you know, replacement for it. And so that team that's working on the corporate blog, if you were to kill the corporate blog, well, what's that team going to do then? Yeah. And that's a mentality in business that I think has to change, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and where the teams that are building these products, and that's really what they are, blogs, webinar series, you know, podcasts, etc. Products aren't going to work. They're not all going to work and they're not all going to work great. And we need to be maybe not ruthless, but we certainly need to be, uh, attentive to killing them when they don't work. And that question, I don't think there's a good answer for this, by the way, but I think there may be a place to start, which is to say, let's 
before we launch a product, let's define what it is we're trying to do with this product. And if it doesn't meet those goals, then let's either kill the product or, or relaunch it or change it or whatever we're going to do. Yeah, I'm, I, I, that's so, uh, so, I mean, I, I actually wrote a note there. <laughs> I mean, so, um, I mean, for me, I, that that's so relevant because um, well it's so relevant because I'm I'm, I'm working on a replatforming of a, of a of a website at the moment and um, you can I need to be careful um, you um, there, there, there's the there's the view that more is more right is that you know the more copy you put on the page the more pages you have the the better it is but sometimes you know when you've got an old website that's just been collecting all this stuff it ends up being a bit of a sort of a shanty town of a website. It's sprawling. Um, I've also heard that described as, as like plaque, you know, it's just getting in the way of the customer experience. You've, you've lost some of that, some of that focus, but also I think people start these things without really a clear objective of what success means for it. Right. And I think that's the same for us. It's the same for me starting this blog post, but um, podcast is, you know, you, you, you launch into it, think I'm going to do a podcast. And then you sort of, a little while later, think, well, why am I doing this? <laughs> you know? And so um, it, there's a bit of that as well, isn't there? Yeah, it's, you know, what I find is, is that we often in business, unlike a media company, you know, so it, we, we, talk, we talk a lot these days around how businesses should operate a little more like media companies. Yes. And... The funny thing is, is that we, in business, we you would think it would be the opposite, but it's actually not, where we actually treat those things that we create in a, with a little bit more preciousness mm. than media companies do. Mm-hmm. You know, media companies look at it and go, yeah, it didn't work. Bummer. Okay. You know, it's nobody's fault. It just didn't work. And so let's move on. Yeah. Um, let's cancel that show and yeah. do another one. Yeah. And, and, and their whole mentality is create a lot of, you know, I mean, people don't, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, a broadcast TV network will create, create in the order of 15, 20, 25 new shows Mm -hmm. every year, Mm -hmm. um, and run it through what they call a pilot. And that pilot may or may not see air mm-hmm. um, if it doesn't pass through focus group tests and all the things they do and if yeah. it does it may get one you know airing and then be canceled or it may yeah. get ordered for one season of 13 or 22 episodes and yeah. away you go yeah and you know and it's that way every single year right yeah. you know when you get renewed every yeah. single year you know you run through that gauntlet and and we don't do that mm-hmm. right we will we will run a blog into the ground mm. just because we don't want to have the team, yeah, yeah, you know, sitting on the bench not doing anything. Well, I also think it's there's a, there's a sunk cost element to it. Certainly, that's right. So, yes, and, that's right. And then sometimes, you know, and I think, um, you know, uh, uh, well, I mean, the sunk cost thing I, I picked up from Seth Godin in, in that, you know, you've got to think about what you did in the past as a present to your current self, and you can accept that present or not it doesn't matter you still did the effort right so if we've created this blog or or this actual podcast and and next week i think well you know i'm not going to do it the fact that i have the the fact that i've put so much effort into it it doesn't matter you know that that effort was gonna has happened it's gone yeah it's it's exactly right yeah that's exactly right and and 
that's the way the media companies will look at it, right? Yeah. You know, when they launch a magazine or they launch a TV series or a film, it's, you know, they, they, they cut their losses, right? Yeah. And, and they just, and they move along and, but they, they, but that interesting thing that, and but those guys that make those decisions are, are, would be described as the hard-nosed executives, right? Is it because um, we in marketing are so invested in the work that we don't have that overseer that uh, that's gonna that's gonna be like, nah, cut it. It's you know, look at the data, cut it. Whereas we're sort of, you know, we're vested in the work because we're marketers. Well, I think part of it yeah. is 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 that, mm-hmm. and I think the other part of it is the business managers in product and service brands. Yeah, for the most part, are uh, are expected to and do for the most part work from an efficiency and effectiveness mm-hmm. mindset only. And, and what I mean by that is is that they will they will work very very hard to not make uh any mistakes that would result in having to do work again mm. um, and 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 when you're and so and so what has happened is is that that tip that muscle for the organization of moving quickly and 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 in an agile fashion um it atrophies and so what happens is is that just for an example big companies to launch a blog well okay to launch a blog it's going to take you know 8 months because we've got to get new templates built and you know adobe aem and we're going to have to get finance on board with this and we're going to have to get the sales team involved and we're going to have to run it through its paces and the agency's going to have to design it and that's going to take six, 6 or 8 weeks yeah. and we now have built in this draconian long Byzantine process to launch something because that's kind of the way that we operate instead of saying, Hey, listen, we got a new idea for a blog, you know, or a podcast. Let's just do one. Let's just, let's, you know, let's just figure it out and do it, launch it up, see if it works, grab some WordPress templates, throw it up on the web, see if people like it. And if they do, then we'll figure out how to make it, an institutional part of our, yeah. you know, infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. And that that the difference between that and that, you know, and you don't blame them, right? When you know, when it's like you go to a, a marketing manager and you say, "Hey, listen, why haven't you launched a new blog?" Yeah. You, it's like, oh my god, can you imagine the permissions I need to go get, and you know what I need to do, and you know what's going to happen to so and so, and if I'm not working on creating blog posts for this thing, I'm not going to yeah. get KPI'd, and we're going to have to meet quarterly goals, you know, and yeah. blah blah blah, yeah. you know. I, yeah, yeah. And I, I, um, I mean, and also this smacks of that um, hamster wheel thing, because you could apply that thinking to everything, right? Why do we do webinars? You know, why, why are we doing, um, why are we going to this trade show? Because we've always gone to this trade show. You know, there's so many bits of marketing that you could say, oh, you know, forget what went on before. You know, what do we need to do right now? It's it's funny. Yeah, we I mean, there's definitely that the this is the way it's always been done. Yeah mentality for sure yeah. um and nobody wants to be you know the, it's the, it's the sort of not on my watch yeah, idea yeah. right you know it's like it's like you know let the, you know and, and and in many ways in this i i experienced this firsthand 
when um you know back in the day when i was not uh, you know doing what i do now i worked in television yeah. and in the, in the mid and late 90s in cable tv it wasn't that everybody didn't see over the top coming mm-hmm. right in cable in in the world of cable television you know everybody saw that the power of the cable companies was diminishing the power of cell phone and wireless was rising yeah. the power of satellite was rising the power of the internet you know and and streaming video was going to be rising everybody saw the future that basically we were going to go to this dis you know dis um intermediated mm-hmm. world where you could create your own streaming service and basically go around the cable companies and go over the top right yeah and you know and stream and you know create all these things and and do all these things and and everybody recognized that mm-hmm. but most of the executives were like the amount of disruption that that's going to build in the business in the you know in my television business my network my mm-hmm. cable company you know what the, the and they were all like I'm you know let the kid behind me do that right <laughs> I'm just going to ride out my my 10 years you know I'm going to get my gold watch and I'm going to be fine and if I don't do it the kid behind me will do it and let that be his problem right yeah and you get and there's a lot of that in businesses i see mm-hmm. especially in you know technology companies and financial services companies where things tend to move these big changes tend to move a little slower yeah. you know people behind you know the people at the uppermost parts of the decision making process yeah. say stuff like I, you know i i recognize that the change is needed yeah. i just don't feel like doing it yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, I, mean? yeah. I like i don't feel like being the person that that runs that yeah yeah, no, that's tremendous, and I, I'm and um, we've oh my god, we're we running out of time. But I, I like that. Um, well, I, I also wanted to. Um, this will be for another show. Um, to juxtapose that against the fact that when it comes to content, we're obsessed with youth. You know, like we can't when when it comes to evergreen content, the actual content items, we're terrible at reusing them. We we're constantly creating we're new content. You know? Yeah, we're off at it. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 the we're the worst at it. I mean, you yeah. know, it's like. You know, that that white paper, that amazing white paper that we wrote in the first quarter, you know, somebody in the third quarter goes, hey, what about that amazing white paper we wrote in the first quarter? And the, you know, the rest of the teams go, oh, we can't reuse that. I mean, that's (laughs) old news. We, it's, it's, I mean, are you kidding me? We, that's three months old. That's, you know, can't can't re-promote that asset. We have to create a new asset. Yeah. And then if you, if you put your Netflix, um, analogy on top of that that would be like turning down 40 towers or or a monty python or something wouldn't it it'd be like oh sure yeah. right or the office you yeah. know i mean or exactly. i mean yeah exactly i mean you know well even you know even i mean the, the 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 reminder that i have for many marketers i said you know every single uh broadcast media television network runs their series at least twice a year yeah you know i mean they have summer reruns and and you know, I mean, why don't we have summer reruns? Why don't we take all that stuff that we had, that we all that amazing stuff that we created in the spring, and just rerun it yeah. in the summer? Yeah, I love it. And um, maybe at this point, I should say, if you're listening to the repeat of that, the result of the Super Bowl. Please <laughs> <laughs> do not phone in. <laughs> this is not live. <laughs> That's funny. Thank you very much, Robert. That was excellent. And um, where might people find you, find your writing on these particular topics? 
Well, we just all sort of gather around the little fire that is contentadvisory.net, which is our little home on the web. Um, and then, of course, across the social media spectrum. Yes. Um, I'm pretty pretty darn easy to find. You're pretty And again, you have cut, you have prevented me from saying spin the dial on the interwebs, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know. Uh, we, we got to vary it up occasionally, haven't we? <laughs> Yes. All right, mate. Well, thank you very much. And will I see you in the bar next week? I'm, 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 I'm betting that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, babe. Thank you, Robert. Go Bucks or something. A spending conversation, and maybe it's time, as Marxists, we should look at what we should stop as well as what we should start. So that's a wrap on episode 48 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks again to Jeff Clark, Pete Defeat Morgan and Robert Rose. Please check out their links in the show notes. Click them, follow them, take a look at their work and share it. I really appreciate their time. You can find the show notes on your favourite podcasting platform, of course, or at our brand new website for this podcast, rockstarcmo.fm, where you can also find all our previous episodes. So, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? Let me know. Please leave a review, subscribe, share, get in touch. We're at Rockstar CMO on LinkedIn or Twitter, or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, Jeff and I will pick a new topic and decide if it's a one-hit wonder or wonderwall. Robert will be in our virtual Rockstar CMO bar, and I'm currently trying to coax Kathy McKnight back on the show to talk headless. Until then, I've been your host, Ian Truscott, and I hope you'll again join us next week here at Rockstar CMO FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.